Today on Locked On Canadians, it is day one of the Martin St. Louis era. We are up in our feelings about it for very many reasons. And we have the Friday mailbag as always. Your Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 551 of Locked On Canadians, your first listen of the day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and also on YouTube. My name is Laura Sabah. I'm one of your hosts, and I'm joined, as always, by Scott Matla, my wonderful co-host. Scott, I don't know if you are as elated and emotional about this as I am, but I feel like the first day of Martin St. Louis' tenure in Montreal has gone off to a great start so far. He has said a lot of very, I think, important and smart things. And there's some people going, it it took Martin St. Louis to tell the defense to play man defense. And apparently so. Uh, <laughs> my, my whole thing with that is I go, he said a lot of really smart things, a lot of things that I really like to hear. Just, it's a nice breath of fresh air. There's that quote or the video clip of him going around Twitter about uh, how he wants this team to play in anticipating plays and not playing within a system. And I have to admit, like, yeah, it's nice to hear that and that you are not forcing a circle player into square peg here kind of thing. Let the people play. They're in the NHL for a reason. They're supposed to be here for a reason. It's, I mean, they lost 5-2 to the Washington Capitals. That that happened. But it was somehow actually, factually, the best game they've played in almost two months, a month. I don't know. It's been a while, but it it's was... It's been quite a long time. I checked the underlying numbers for those of you joining us for the first time or who are relatively new. Scott and I both love the website Natural Stat Trick, if you want to get a, a, an idea of the underlying stats. And um, the Canadians were dominant in two periods. They were like by far dominant to an incredible degree in that third period. The first period, depending on the situation, they were either at even, even with the, with the caps or uh, the caps were slight, they had a slight edge over them. But the, the second period and the third period were just phenomenal. Um, and that's what we want, right? We want the losses because we want the higher draft pick, but we also want them to play games like it matters, like they care. Almost every single player on the ice had a new energy and they seemed to be a lot more confident. And I will say that Caden Primo right now, his confidence is massively shot. And in his post-game presser, uh, Martin St. Louis said that uh, they have to help him by playing better in front of him, but that it's going to take work, obviously. And he understands that, you know, his confidence is not there. Right now, the Canadians don't really have any goalie options. They're at 49 contracts or 48 So if they sign a goalie, they're going to be at 49, which brings them dangerously close to the max. Uh, They also have two goaltenders on the IR. So they're going to have to figure out something to do when one of those or both of those comes back. Uh, They've also really like Michael McNiven right now is hurt is my understanding. He's not, he's not a, yeah, he can't play for the Montreal Canadiens. So right now, at least at this point, point, unless they trade, unless they make a trade, they are stuck with the two goalies that they have. And other than the goaltending, it really seemed to my eyes that every single player on the Habs had 
a lot more jump in their step. And the biggest difference is obviously, and it like with, with Nick Suzuki, it's pretty subtle because he's always really good. He's always solid. He's always playing really, really intelligently. But tonight he seemed to have a little bit extra from that. Cole Caulfield obviously looks like an entirely different player. He scored two goals, one of which was obviously waved off or called off after after review. But he seems like a new player. Jeff Petrie, to me, I didn't see that much of an improvement. I did see that, you know, I, I did yell at my TV, get it together, Jeff, for F's sake, <laughs> multiple times, uh, which I've been doing all season. So he was really the only one. You know, I, I saw like Lekkinen seemed to have like this extra speed to him. It was incredible. Even Tyler Toffoli seemed quiet, but he seemed more joyful. Josh Anderson played really well, but he always follows up a bad game with a good game, especially when he's a little bit hard on himself. And that's what happened against New Jersey. And so this is kind of like par for the course for Josh Anderson. But to me, every single player looked different. And I know usually when there's a coaching change, there's a little bit of an energy shift. And I know that this wasn't a win, right? We're not going to treat it like a win. But what we are going to treat it as are good signs. I think for me personally, there were so many things about the first press conference and about the first game and the post-game remarks from from the players and from the coach that are so positive. I'm going to start with, we're already talking about the game, so we'll finish about, about the game and then we'll talk about what we learned from the press conference in the second segment. Then we'll, we're going to move on to the mailbag questions as always, but... I think for me, this was a crazy experiment. This guy has literally no head coaching experience. And the people who have come before him have had lifelong almost coaching careers, right? Like you look at Dominique Ducharme before he came, he had coached at every level, right? Claude Julien was one of the most seasoned NHL veteran coaches. You've got a guy who's literally not coached a professional game in his life, and you've put him as the head coach of one of the most watched organizations in hockey. And I think that that is a tall order and it is, it's an insane experiment. And we're going to talk in the second period, uh, second period, second segment about some of the stuff that he said in his press conference that I thought was worth noting. But if all he does this season is write the ship, Maybe they decide to part ways. Maybe they decide to give him a different role in the organization. Maybe he'll get the extension. He'll get the he'll he'll become the head coach of the Canadians on a permanent basis. We don't know what's going to happen. But if he manages to right the ship that was going so far off track, it was falling apart. Like if you're imagining a car or a train, the wheels are falling off. You know, you, like you're losing parts along the way. That like you're not completely falling off a cliff yet, but that's where it was headed. So this is now. A very different feeling. After that first game, it's a very different feeling. If they can sustain that, and this is the dangerous thing that we have said every single time the Canadians have had a good game this season, which has not been a lot, admittedly. Every time we've said if they can sustain this, it will be a good sign. But really, truly, if they can sustain the leaps and bounds that they made in that one game, just in terms of confidence, assignment, understanding, reads as marty is saying and we're probably going to be saying that word a lot on this podcast going forward then they're in good hands there, there's a quote that i'm looking at from the post game here and this comes from san louis himself uh if you're not close to someone you're not doing your job if there are two guys close to one guy someone is open you have to know what's going on around the ice while doing your job and i think that's 
an important thing here is that the defensive zone coverage was just guys floating around and it's, it's simple. Hey, cover dude who is open and, and it works. And I know it's early and we've done this before. I mean, it's not the end of the world. This is a game that the Canadians probably should have won had Caden Primo not had his worst professional game yet. Uh, I'm interested to see how they build on this going into the weekend now, because by all accounts, uh, San Luis came in, gave a rousing speech before the game when he got there, and whatever he said after the first period worked because these guys were going. So I'm very curious to see what he can do with the practice under his belt and more time integrating himself into this team here going into the weekend and beyond. Uh, early looks are good, but words are words, actions are actions, and words are meaningless without action afterwards. I I'm not doubting Martin St. Louis being a man of action, but show me. We, we've said this with Ducharme this season. Hey, this looks like they might be turning a corner. Nope. Show me. I, I, am, uh, I am very hurt and scarred from the last couple months of the Montreal Canadiens hockey franchise. And Martin St. Louis has made a career of showing us literally his entire life. So there's no reason to doubt him at this stage. And we're going to get into the press conference uh, and what we learned from it in just one moment. But first, Built Bar. You know we love Built Bar. If you've listened to a single episode of this podcast, Built Bar is one of our favorite sponsors. And they are a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It's a literal treat. You know things that are good for you and, and they taste like they're not? That's exactly what Built Bar is. They give you energy. They have so much protein, so little sugar, and they're all made with real chocolate. They've got 18 delicious flavors. And they also have a rotation of special edition flavors. They're always coming up with something new, something that sounds crazy and turns out delicious. My personal favorite is whenever I see the coconut brownie chunk coming back. And uh, they, they they always have something special on there. They also have a lot of other things that will help you fuel your day. If you're going on a hike, it's a good idea. If you're like me, you don't have breakfast. It's, that's not a good idea. You need your energy. So I will have a built bar in the middle of the day sometimes you'll need a pick me up they're literally so versatile we love built bar so much and we want you to love built bar so go to built.com and enter promo code locked 15 to get 15 percent off your order and try built bar and see what we're talking about that's built.com and you can enter the promo code locked 15 and get 15 percent off your order and enjoy built bars like we do Thanks again for making Locked On Canadians your first listen every day. But make sure to check out Olympic Hockey Daily presented by Locked On NHL, a bonus podcast covering all the action in Beijing. You can find it in the Locked On NHL podcast feed. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And it's got some of our favorite people from the Locked On NHL channel, like Rachel from the Locked On Flyers podcast and from the Locked On Predators podcast, and Erica Lindsay Ayala, who is literally in Beijing right now covering the hockey. So check out Locked On NHL and get all your hockey, your Olympic hockey needs. In the meantime, back in Montreal, this is not, you know, we don't want to hang too much on a first press conference because those tend to go well after a change. When things are not going well, they make a change. The first press conference is always good. You always have the people ready to say what you want to hear. That's what that that's how it normally goes. But the introductory press conference for Martin Saint Louis 
went exceptionally. It was so good. He said so many good things. I have a couple questions about some of the stuff that was said, but literally everything that he said, the fans were, they looked at it like a breath of fresh air or yes, that's what I've been saying. That's what we've been needing. That's what this market needs. He said a lot of things. The first thing that he said was that it has always been his dream to be a coach, a hockey coach. And he's very grateful for the opportunity. I think that, you know, everybody on, on that press conference, on that podium there, Jeff Gorton was there, Kent Hughes was there. They talked about the process and all that. Everybody knows that people are looking at this like it's an out there decision. Everybody knows that it's kind of, it's not just out of the box. Like I said, he's coached a peewee team. That's the extent of the coaching that he's done. And he took some time off after his playing career. And I would imagine that this is not how he thought it would go. I would imagine that he thought that he was going to have to start coaching in some lower leagues and things like that. And you have to, you have to admit that it's bold. It is bold. And I'm into that. Like it might not work out, but this season was a lost season anyway. There's really no risk to this. And there's a high potential for reward. And he said that when he was asked, he didn't even think about the terms. He said, this was an opportunity. It's obviously the title right now is interim. And that's clear. There's like 36 games left, I believe, 35 or 36, um, for him to prove himself. And he said, all I wanted was that opportunity. I don't think anybody would have expected that that's how it would come. But at the same time, he's been thinking about this for a long time. Some of the things that he said that I thought were interesting was he, he got asked about, I believe he got asked about the system. Uh, yes, he, he was asked because I think Tortorella said something about him not believing in systems, but believing in concepts. And we're going to say the words concepts and reads a lot on this podcast going forward this season, because that's something that he believes very strongly in. And the interesting thing that he said is that he believes in concepts, but and not systems, but that doesn't mean there's no structure. So I'm interested to see how that plays off, uh, plays out. The other thing that he said that to me was very notable is he got asked about analytics because both Gorton and Kent Hughes said that they were building an analytics team. I think in my mind, his answer seemed a bit reluctant and hesitant about analytics, which is fair because he didn't dismiss them. He didn't dismiss them outright. And you have to remember, he comes from like a Tortorella system. Like Tortorella is one of his mentors and Tortorella is not a big analytics guy, but he said that it's important to note that analytics doesn't give you the whole picture. He said things like, I trust my eye, I trust my brain, I trust, you know, I'm looking at the game and after that. But I don't think that that's really the end of the world because I feel like he seemed not convinced about them, but open to the idea. And obviously the management team cares about that a lot more. And to me, if you've got a management team that cares about analytics, those kinds of things come into play a lot when you're thinking about what to do with a player when you want to trade him who you want to trade for, what kind of value you think you could get a player, get for a player, what kind of value you think you should pay for a player when you're signing him or re-signing him, and, you know, whether he should get sent down. I really don't think that um, it's it's the end of the world that he didn't seem too enthusiastic about them because he did say, you know, you get an idea about them. He said they don't give you the full picture, and he said, I trust my eyes. And they're like, I just, I, I don't know if I, I'm just sensitive to these things. Anyway, I've been rambling so much, Scott, but I was just so happy about that, about that press conference. I have so many feelings. I can't, like, I can't, you know, Cole Caulfield said that he grew up wearing 26 because of Martin St. Louis and now it's his coach. Like I have so many feelings. We're crying in the club right now on the podcast. Well, we're going to have to do more of that too. Cause in the mailbag, there's a lot of questions about, about Martin St. Louis and the first one coming 
uh, from our friend Goalie Droid. What would what would you need to see in the next few games to think St. Louis coaching tenure is off to a good start? Like team demeanor, line combos, time on ice and usage, structure, winning, or something else? I think it's less about the line combinations than I think execution of plays. I think um, it's not just results in goals, but you know, like there's so much of this season and even last season, probably the one before that as well. I can't even remember how long we've been talking about this. We've talked about defensive coverage not being great. Nobody knows where to be. We've talked about players looking lost. We've talked about players not having any ideas. We've talked about, you know, this guy lost his men. We talked about how the goalies are being hung out to dry. So I think like behaviors and executions to me, an execution is going to be the primary um, indicator in my mind. You're going to see that once the players are playing better, they're automatically going to regain their confidence slowly. You know, if they're like, if they stop looking so lost, um, I think line combinations is not necessarily the indicator, but Taiwan ice definitely is. I think if you have players that are clearly playing well, both with the eye test and on the stat sheet, and you're playing them eight minutes a night and you're playing some other guy 14 minutes a night who has not been playing well for an entire season, that's the problem to me. So that's to me, the indicator less line combinations i think and i i looked at the numbers tonight and like caulfield paling and armia played the least at five on five among forwards but they were good and at the same time this is also a team that hasn't had a practice with their new head coach and they just kind of rolled with what was their last game and it worked and i'm hopeful that he that san louis looks at this game and goes that line was flying out there something is clicking there Keep that together, bump their ice time within reason. You don't want to overplay them. And I think that's a big thing. And it's funny that the follow-up question from Jeff the Red is, I know he's gone and it's time to move on, but really how far in over his head was Dominique Ducharme? And my first thought is, I just don't think he had a plan B. He wasn't getting goaltending. And when he didn't get goaltending, everything else just kind of fell apart. And uh, there were charts from Micah Blake McCurdy, who does HockeyViz.com. And last year's Canadians team was very good defensively, even under Dominique Ducharme, even if the offense wasn't there. This year when he didn't get goaltending, it all kind of fell apart. And if you're relying on goaltending, we might as well have just kept Michel Therrien the entire right. time because that's what that was. Yes, but it's also important to note that early in the season, they did have the goaltending. Jake Allen was playing lights out. He had the occasional burnout game, but he was playing really well and the Canadians were still losing badly. So I think it's just they all kind of lost. Uh, they and, and it's exactly what you said, Scott. He didn't have a plan B. Like So he probably drew on everything that's worked for him so far. And he did have a successful career before he got here um, or before this season. I mean, we're going to count that playoff run as successful. We have to. Uh, but, you know, even Martin St. Louis said that he, he knows him from U of M, right? their their friends and all of that and, and and you know they just seem to have very different philosophies and I just think that Dominique Ducharme when confronted with a situation like the all of the bad luck things that happened all of the bad seasons that people are having he just he didn't he didn't know what to do he didn't have anything new in the tank is is my understanding uh do we have time for one more in this segment one more in this segment well, we'll do a quick one. This one comes from Randy Hansen. Who will be the surprise beneficiary under San Luis theory of hockey being concepts and not systems? I think 
it's going to be Nick Suzuki. Everyone's going to point to Cole Caulfield, which is a fair guess. I think it's going to be Nick Suzuki because he's got hockey intelligence. He's got ideas. He's very cerebral. And Martin St. Louis seems like a cerebral guy. I'm going to go with Alexander Romanov because it's a, hey, you need to be covering a guy. Don't do this. And play to your instincts. And I think Alexander Romanov has a lot of very good offensive instincts that were neutered in a system where he was not really told what to do by whatever coaches were there. So I think he's uh, he's someone I think we're going to see a lot of. He jumped up in the play a lot tonight against Washington. And I'm hopeful that, you know, maybe he gets a goal and that confidence builds off of that too. And we're going to have the rest of our mailbag questions coming up, coming up in just one moment, but not before we tell you that bet online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football continues, it's March through the playoffs, right up to the big game in a couple of days. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live real-time updates of current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, Scott, we've got one email question in the mailbag that I'm going to read before we get into the rest of our Twitter questions. And this one comes from Lucas. This is for Scott, but are you watching the USA game right now? So this that we received the email at 9.30 this morning when uh, Sean Farrell had this glorious assist and then like just a, just a hat trick, no big deal. I assume Laura's watching our friends up north, but Sean Farrell is having himself a game. No look assist and now a beautiful snipe and we're only in the second period. Typically for a kid like him who's at Harvard, what's the project projected trajectory? Will he see time at Laval next year if he leaves college? I don't think he's leaving college after this season because he's he lost a year of NCAA eligibility because of the pandemic. He went back to the USHL, won player of the year, and was extremely dominant, of course. And I look at this and go, he's got at least one more year in the NCAA left. He's been good this year, but it's a bit deceiving because he's had a lot of points against some bad teams and he's been kind of held off the board against better teams, but it's a growing thing. And I haven't had a chance to watch the highlights or even the game. I was at work, unfortunately, so I was not able to view it like I would have preferred to. I think there's reason to be excited and cautiously optimistic. And it's funny is because this actually leads into a question we got from Randy Hansen as Sean Farrell with a hat trick and two assists against China today in his Olympic debut. Is Farrell the most gifted player in Montreal stable, not in the NHL? And my thought to that... I'm going to defer to you. (laughs) You're the expert, Scott. You're waiting for me to answer something that you are much more qualified to speak on. I I still shudder to think that people consider me an expert in anything. (laughs) Um, If we're not counting Jesse Alonen, who is technically not in the NHL, and I mean that very literally technically, I think he's up there. Um, We've talked a lot about Frederick Show when we had Patrick on, and I think Matthias Norlinder is up there as well. Um, And then just in juniors, though, alone, I think uh, Joshua Wah and Caden Gooley are both up there. I think Farrell has the potential highest ceiling if he can get there. Uh, he's got some development to grow into still. He's going to 
have to get used to a higher level of play there. It's a really good start. Uh, China's not exactly a powerhouse team, though. But as far as debuts go at the Olympic level, as of right now, Sean Farrell has five more points than either Connor McDavid or Austin Matthews at the Olympics. So I think that's a very important point to make on this podcast. Okay, here's a question. Do you think the next time there's an Olympics, assuming the NHLers are, are able to go, do you think Sean Farrell gets the call then too? Uh, I, if he's having one hell of an NHL career, <laughs> I don't see why not. But there are I'm be just a lot asking. Of, it just I thought of this. It's 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 the mailbag, but I thought I'd, I'd throw in my own question. I mean, I think that'd be fun. I'm not counting on it because a lot can happen in four years. So, um. We have another question from Jeff the Red. The Canadians won 13 games in the playoff last season. Will they be able to match or surpass that number for the entire season this year? Yes. God, I hope so. I really do truly hope no, so. No, I do I do think they are capable of winning five more games. I, I, I do there's too. 30, it, there's 35 games, 36. Yeah, I, I mean, I think they can do it, um, assuming the goaltending even remotely holds up in that time frame. Uh, from Randy Hansen, I am Jonah Hill, level excited to see the Habs' new style and direction. What makes you squeal in delight like Jonah Hill and his wavy hands about these changes? That gift there. Yes. <laughs> um, honestly, I like that there's a new out-of-the-box idea. It makes me really excited to see how ridiculous this could get. It could be disastrous. It could entirely, but it could also it could also inspire the players to play better and get people back on track. So just, just how crazy this is, is the most exciting thing to me. I think it's that it's, it's all, he's allowing players to be themselves. It's not square peg round hole. It doesn't work. And I think that's going to be a really key thing. Simplifying is a major thing, whether players want to admit it or not. So I do think that's a very good thing. Um, one more from Jeff Thread. What's one thing, what one thing do you want them new coach to do and i think it's just get the team on track honest to god make them play watchable hockey yeah yes uh, absolutely from hockey in ottawa will we see an explosion in the quads of all habs players now i do think so maybe it'll be the off-season training plan for all of them everyone's just gonna come in just tree trunked in the quads like they're just <laughs> going to carry like large things up and down mountains all summer no golfing, none of this. It's just going to be dudes carrying heavy stuff up and down mountains. Can't wait. Going to be the, the just, they're going to need new hockey pants in Montreal next season just to <laughs> fit all that quad inside there. Uh, from Ninja Cat 98, is it too late for the mailbag? Never too late at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter, folks. Hit us up. Caulfield being on the power play is electric. What five on five line would you put him on? And why is San Louis already better at coaching than Ducharme? So the current line is doing well. So I would keep him there for now. But at some point, you're going to have to acknowledge that his line mates aren't offensive gifted superstars. They have different roles on this team while he is one. So at some point, you're going to have to make that change and put him back up. I want him to. I want to see him play with Suzuki again, and and likely to Foley. I think that's the logical choice. But I want to see that pairing back together. Yeah, I and I think the line with Paling did work tonight, and you shuffle things as it becomes necessary, not just because you have to. 
Uh, so I'm very much in favor of keeping that right now. And I don't think we're going to see a lot of line shuffling, to be quite honest here. Uh, we don't know when Dvorak's coming back. Players have to be sent down because of uh, roster spacing and all that other stuff. So we're going to see a lot of shuffling here in the near future. Uh, we have two non-hockey questions, one of which is for me. Uh, from Jeff the Red, he wants to know, where. what's the best Buffalo beer you've had since moving there? And what's the most ridiculous one? Uh, the best beer I've had was uh, Big Ditch Brewing released a brand new, not brand new. They re-released one of their original brews from when they opened years ago called Galaxy Red. Just a nice uh, dry hopped red ale. It is phenomenal. It's got a nice multi base, a little bit of uh, citrus sweetness, really crushable. And the most ridiculous one, it's got to be one of the liquid lollipops from froth brewing they are triple fruited sours made with fruit puree so when you pour them they look like a slushy in a can and i bought a buffalo bills themed one before the playoffs began and i drank it at the tailgate before the game i went to against the falcons and it is just blue like fruit punch hawaiian punch blue it was weird as hell i was probably way too inebriated at that point to actually tell you what was in that beer but I can tell you it was one of the most ridiculous things I've ever consumed in the form of alcohol anyways. And Laura, are you ready for the nemesis question of the week? I am. Will broadcasters have to adjust their camera angles for the benches to avoid having San Luis hidden by the players? All right. Listen, as a lifelong short person <laughs> who is very pro short people, <laughs> which is why I love cool Caulfield which is why on this podcast we came up with the be small score goals motto. And which is why I am absolutely delighted to have one of my favorite players. Like I literally got emotional watching that press conference being like Martin St. Louis is a hab. Like he's, he's on this or he's on this in the organization. Um, So, you know, short people get it done or whatever you want to say. Uh, I think uh, it, it was kind of interesting trying to look for him on that bench. It was very glaring the, the height difference, but uh Based on tonight's game, they don't need to do too much adjusting. He's still visible over seated players. But I want to see, like, those photos from practice where, like, he's, like, skating down the ice giving instruction to, like, Josh Anderson or something like that. I want to see that dynamic. I think it's going to be adorable. Uh, and um, that's it for our questions, right, Scott? Yes, that is everything that was in our mailbag for this week. If you want to tweet us your mailbag questions at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter or LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. And if you want to follow this podcast, you can subscribe or follow wherever you get your podcasts. You can also subscribe on YouTube. Uh, please get us to 500 subscribers because then I have to eat something disgusting or drink something disgusting. We're going to put it to a <laughs> listener vote. The listeners are going to decide. We're going to come up with some op options of things that won't kill me, like uh, that I'm not allergic to. And then you will get to, 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 to decide what I do. Um, and in the meantime, tell your friends about us if you like us. And you can find us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. You'll find Scott on Twitter at scott matla you'll find me on twitter at the active stick and please join us next week because i am sure my martin st louis feelings are going to spill over into the next few weeks for sure <laughs> i literally cannot believe he's one of my favorite nhl players and it's going so much better than i could possibly have hoped and expected um so please join us for what i hope is going to be a fun next few weeks and if you like this podcast don't forget to check out locked on bets where they're absolutely killing it and locked on nhl where they're doing olympic hockey coverage thank you so much for listening we will talk to you next week